it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to the Liverpool Groove. I'm Quinny. I'm Jay. And today Johnny. on the podcast, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're joined by uh, Johnny Owen today to talk about his uh, new upcoming film, uh, The Three Kings, the makers of modern football. So thanks for taking the time out, Johnny, to join us today. That's a pleasure, lads. Thanks for having me on. Nice no one, Johnny. No worries. Um, so for those who don't know, the film itself, it's about um, three Three managers who we're all very familiar with, uh, Bill Shankly, Matt Busby and Jock Steen. Um, so, I mean, obviously everybody knows their standing in, in world football and the history of the game. What what inspired you to want to make a film about, about these three managers? Yes, yeah, great question, actually, because I'm a lad from South Wales who grew up, you know, watching Merthyr and Cardiff. I love I love football. But my old man, like, uh, like a lot of people in South Wales, worked underground. You know, he's an electrician. My grandfather did. And like men that did that, they always pointed out other miners. So whenever Shankly, for argument's sake, would come on TV, he'd say, he worked underground. And uh, we remembered as kids, you know, we'd like roll, roll our eyes at each other. My brother's going, yeah, dad, you said, do you know what I mean? But then my dad <laughs> passed away in 2017, bless him. And um, when he was uh, when he was quite ill, actually, he was still great to talk to. And I, I reminded him of this and he laughed and said, well, you remember, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, I did. So when he, when he finally passed, bless him, I thought to myself, well, there's something in that, you know, the, this generation of men and women who worked, you know, in the pits and the docks and, you know, traditional heavy industry. Um, and I thought I'd like to tell their story. Uh, and the company that made uh, Senna and Amy and Maradona, they'd got in touch with me because they'd seen a, a film I'd done back a few years back um, and really liked it and asked me would I want to work with them and did I have any ideas? And I said, well, I'd like to do the story of Shankly, Steen and Busby. And they said yes, straight away, you know, and we thought to ourselves, we'd like to make a film for a modern audience, you know. And uh, the mantra all the way through it from uh, the producer, James Gabies, and the other one, Paul Martin, was make something a kid of 18 can watch who supports any football team in the world and he'd get it. And that's what we try to do, you know, try to tell the story of these three amazing men and how they profoundly changed, not just football, but the three cities as well. Yeah, when you talk about the cities, Johnny, um, I've got a question. Do you think it's a coincidence that men that were like, ha- it was, had a hard life growing up and they were hard working and brought up in that background, I think it's coincidental that they were managers in those cities, similar backgrounds and stuff like that. Um, do you think it was more than football involved in them taking them roles? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting that when uh, Shankly, for argument's sake, you know, came to Liverpool, he felt like he was coming home. He said that. He said I, he had this really amazing, amazing connection with the people. And he often spoke about the fact that he found his place, really. He said, I knew the support was here. I knew the people were here. And, you know, people, you know, it was hard for people to understand, really, that Liverpool were a provisional mid-table second division team at that time kind of going nowhere really and he goes there and he turns that football club around and the city around really and um, just same with Busby going to Manchester and obviously Steen in Glasgow very similar places uh, they all had very similar backgrounds they were all big 
union men, they were socialists, they were miners, and they found their homes in these industrial cities with these with these fans who were very similar to them. You know, they were all talking about entertaining the people that came to watch them on a Saturday. And Shankly, for argument's sake, would say this great line where he'd go, I'm just one of the people in the cop. I'm them and they are me. But when somebody says that to you, if you're standing in the cop, then you're in, aren't you? You know, you're thinking, well, I've, I've, we've got the right fella here. Who's, uh, who's managing our football club. And it's really interesting, um, Bill Shankly's daughter, Karen, was in the film. She says he seems to get bigger every year. His legend seems to grow every year, you know. And, you know, in all the great banners and the cop and things like that, it's always Shankly that's just above all the great managers, you know, great managers like Paisley and Benitez and Klopp now. But he's kind of like the father of the club, really. And I think that's just a wonderful thing. And, and that's what the film is about. Osh, uh, you mentioned about, your, obviously, your dad was a big influence in making the film and obviously all three of them come from like a mining uh, background and I noticed you made another film a few years back, uh, Sven Gali, which was also yeah. based on somebody uh, coming from a mining background and sort of making it bigger than what anybody would, would have guessed I suppose. So yeah. is that something you've you've always had a connect, you've always felt a connection with because of your dad? Yeah, I think so. I think the thing is, like South Wales, for argument's sake, where I come from in the valleys, um, you know, nobody lived there, you know, until they found coal, Welsh steam coal and, and iron ore. So it was a place that didn't exist. You know, it, it was it existed on the back of this industry. And and it's, that's interesting to me that, you know, a whole area grew up because of a, because of an industry. So we're all there because of that. So I'm not unusual in South Wales, you know, and having grandfathers and great grandfathers who were all working in the pits. Um, and I just wanted to tell that story, really. I didn't want to say it's better or glamorise it in any way. I just wanted to say, well, this happened. You know, this, this was an important part of, of British history, really, the Industrial Revolution and what it created. And that's a bit like why I wanted to tell the film about Scotland and the three men. Football in Scotland took off in a way that was, was unparalleled in the world, really. World record crowds were always broken in Scotland, you know, and the men were brought up in this furnace of an obsession with the game. You know, the great Alex James, who played for Arsenal in the early 20th century, was probably the most famous footballer in Britain. He lived a few streets away from uh, Mark Busby. That's like having Lionel Messi a few streets away from you now, do you <laughs> know what I mean? And it's amazing. And Shankly, you know, every brother was a professional footballer in that village of Glenbuck, you know, the, the sportsman it produced. So there was definitely something about coming from that area, you know, where you, know, where you lived and what was around you and the love of the game. And that's what I wanted to tell the story. I wanted to talk about, you know, how proud those industries were, like the mining industry in Wales, for argument's sake. And Iron Bevan come from there, the man that sort of founded the, the National Health Service. Well, we all know this last year, especially how important the NHS is. And that's what that industry gave to us, really. And that's the, the kind of stories I, I wanted to tell. Right. Uh, you, may, you may believe in miracles about Brian Clough, yeah. um, Nottingham Forest side. And what was yeah. the inspiration for that for you? Um, was well, there any personal connections? No, what happened was I moved to Nottingham. My missus is uh, is Vicky McClure, you know, from Mrs. England and Line of Duty. Yeah, and, uh, she's a she's a not she's a not girl. So we ended up moving to Nottingham, and I'd done some I'd done a lot of work in media and films and stuff uh, back in Wales and in London. And there was a guy who was uh, who was local to Nottingham who, who just asked me would I be interested in making the film, and I was a bit like, oh, that's a that's a really good story. That what happened there in the late seventies, and Liverpool were a big part of that story actually because Liverpool were the best team in Europe at that point as well. So I was a bit like, yeah, I wouldn't mind telling that story. And that's what I did. I kind of sort of thought to myself, I'd like to talk about those five years, really. And, and you know, an interesting part of that story, you know, now that I'm on a Liverpool podcast, was that the team that was the two best teams in Europe were Nottingham Forest and Liverpool for about four or five years. 
So they played each other about 10 times, not just in the European Cup, but in, in league games, obviously, and the FA Cup and League Cup finals. And it was this amazing tussle. And I'm a good age now, boys. I'm older than you. <laughs> but I, I remember the um, in the, certainly in the late 70s and right into the early 80s, the big rivalry in, in English football was Nottingham Forest and Liverpool. You know, they were the ones who were always battling it out, you know. And uh, in the late 70s, Forest had the slight upper hand in the sense they won the European Cups. And then Liverpool got the upper hand back again by the, the early 80s and, and into the late 80s. I just thought it was a really interesting story, really. We still sing We Ate Nottingham Forest. <laughs> I know. And do you know Even what? Even though you never experienced it. It's, um, and the fans, the fans of Forest, the they're, they're delighted about that because they feel as if they still, you know, they still think. <laughs> and Pete, Pete Hooten is a great friend of mine and Kevin Sampson. They both say the same thing. They really want to draw Forest every FA Cup game they want to play them again you know and I, I know Forest fans feel the same way living in Nottingham it was it was a terrific rivalry because you know they were two great football teams two brilliant football teams was there anything sort of similar with with Brian Clough um and like Shankly and Busby and Steen that you can really put your like pinpoint anything do you think there was any sort of connection with them in terms of their style of play or the management style well they were very close friends I know that um they were they were really close um during the time, especially obviously when Shankly was alive and things like that. Clough obviously let himself down badly with the time of Hillsborough and what he said, you know, and I didn't agree with that. I said that at the time. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was an alcoholic by that point, you know. Yeah. But in the late 70s, in the late 70s, ironically, he was very close to Liverpool. He was a big mate of Paisley. He spoke on Paisley's, um, on the documentary made about Paisley's life. And obviously Bill Shankly was a regular visitor to Nottingham Forest. But the, I would talk about management style. I always feel that, you know, when I studied the film, uh, sorry, when I studied the three managers and him, they all, and Paisley was another one, was very much part of this. The complexities of football, they distilled into something beautifully simple and communicated that brilliantly. What I mean by that is they never overcomplicated the game. They were always really uh, succinct in their instructions. They said very simple things and they wanted their players to play a very specific way. And I just think that's genius. I think Klopp's got a bit of that. They don't, you know, you don't over over analyze the game. He plays a high pressing game. Whenever Liverpool get the ball, they want to attack. They want to go at you, and they try to score goals. And they all had that. The three of them had that. They had this very specific way of playing football that was beautifully simple because they were so intelligent about the game. They knew the game back to front, inside out, but they never showed off about it. Their instructions to the players were obviously really, really to the point, and that's why their teams were so brilliant. They, uh, I mean, imagine having a a Bill Shankly team talk. It must have been extraordinary. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I got a bit where Ron Yates says, I run. I used to run out thinking, how many are we going to win by this week? Just by what Shankly had said to them in the uh, in the dressing room. So I think that's what they did. They, they, they were obviously tactically brilliant, but they were brilliant motivators as well. And they just seemed to say the right thing. Yeah, br brilliant man management as well. Just speaking about Klopp, um, do you think there's any similarities between him and, and the likes of them I, from a personal point of view? Do you think he's got similar attributes more than management? Massively. I mean, I think uh, there wasn't a single football fan of any club who didn't think that when Klopp was appointed to the Liverpool job, that's a perfect fit. You just thought that's perfect because of what he was like with Dortmund and the way he talked to the, the famous end, you know, the yellow end. You knew that you needed a manager with that kind of relationship with Liverpool supporters, you know who's going to have a connection automatically. Paddy Barkley, the writer, says a wonderful thing in the film. He said, what Shankly did that was interesting, he said, in Liverpool have always had this, the manager and, and him had a, a unique relationship. And when that happens, there's no way for players to hide. 
They can't use any excuses. They can't say they're injured. They can't do it. The players know they have to give 100% because the manager and the crowd, together, they trust each other 100%. And Shankly started that. And I think Klopp's got that. Klopp's got the relationship with Liverpool supporters that the players have to perform. The players can't have player power. Or, you know, what Drogba is doing now at United, for argument's sake, that can't happen in Liverpool Klopp because Liverpool has the total backing of, uh, of the Liverpool support. And it's really interesting to me. I was saying this on, a, on an interview the other day. For me, Manchester United's manager is, because of money reasons, for me, I'm saying this, is managing Man City. Man United's manager should, probably should be Pep Guardiola in another world and another life. And Liverpool's manager should be Jurgen Klopp. And that's the way it is. But things have changed. And, and United are struggling now. You know, but I don't know you lot won't mind this, but they're struggling <laughs> because they haven't got the right manager. Because the manager is the most important person in a football club, which is what the film is all about. Um, so obviously you're you're a big fan of, of Scottish football and I am, uh, yeah. Celtic as well. You're a big Celtic fan. Um, dude, obviously Scottish football it's not today what it once was back in the days of, of sort of uh, Shankly and you know Busby and Steen. The, are there any sort of managers uh, within Scottish football at the moment that sort of are from similar backgrounds to them that that can almost try and instill that same kind of passion in their, in their teams at the moment? Well, it's, it's difficult, boys, isn't it? Because that world is, is kind of gone now, you know, where people worked in the docks and were union men. The last one is, is Alex Ferguson of their ilk, you know, worked in the docks. He was a union man and, and you know, he, he, he held a certain sway in the game. I mean, when I was a kid, the cliche was to get a Scottish manager in because they were the best managers and it was a cliche because it was true. Uh, and that's what the film is about, really. I wanted to talk about Scottish football. Scottish football was the place where football, the way we know it now, was first born. You know, English football had a tradition of playing village to village, a bit like the one in Ashbourne in Derby, you know, where it's a bit rough and tumble and you try to get a ball from one side of the village to the other. The Scots were the first ones to play like a short passing game and to play in a very sort of almost like uh, philosophical way, think about the game in a very specific way. And Shankly and all them grew, grew out of that. And that's why I was interested in talking about it. And you're absolutely right. In 67, when Celtic win the European Cup, Rangers get the European Cup Winners' Cup final that year. So a Scottish team could have won both major European trophies. And also they had really strong teams in Dundee United. Aberdeen, Hearts were strong at that time. So they won, you know, in a difficult domestic league. And I, I always think, you know, even though obviously I prefer Celtic, I, I always want the strong Rangers. I think the strong Rangers is important to Scotland. And what Gerard's doing now, I think, is great because it just makes it more interesting and it makes Scottish football stronger. And even though I'm Welsh, you know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Wales fan at heart, you know, I, I've always wanted Scotland to qualify for the major tournament because I, I love the fans and all the rest of it, even though they broke our hearts twice. Once at Anfield when uh, Joe Jordan handed the ball. But I always want um, a strong Scotland. I think it just makes football much more interesting, really. Uh, talking about Scottish footy, do you think Scottish football is sort of disrespected nowadays? Uh, and can you ever see it being as highly regarded as it was back in the past? I, I agree with that. I think it's a shame. That's why I kind of wanted to make the film. And, and I know life and, and times change, and it's, you know the, the Premier League is a very different animal now. And you know we've got lots of foreign money and, and players, and, and that's that's obviously made it for a, a wonderful spectacle. But it's a shame that Scottish football has lost some of that because when I was a kid, you know, you'd switch straight from the FA Cup final to the Scottish Cup final, and it'd be a, a big event, you know. 
Um, and, I, and I, knew, I do know lads that go up to Scotland now. It's becoming a little bit trendy. I'm wondering if it's the next hipster thing to do rather than Germany to go up to Scotland to watch football. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can have a few beers watching the game. And, and I've been to some, on some brilliant trips. And I, and I got good mates at Queen's Park who were lower down the divisions. And I've been to places like Annan and you know, Morton and all those. Kind of, and it's a great day out. They're good people. They love the game. And I, I highly recommend it. I love, I love Scottish football. You know, I'm, you know, I love all football, but there's nothing like a day out of there. I'd, I'd say to anybody to experience it when it's well worth doing. I think a lot of Liverpool fans try and get themselves in that Celtic stand-up section. Um, we've seen that on a European night, and it looks yeah. amazing. It's bouncing away. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's really interesting that I know Liverpool have got quite a strong connection with uh, with Celtic and and with Rangers. A lot of fans, you know, it's it's it's. It's, the old firm is, is still one of the best derbies you'll ever experience. I've been lucky enough to go and, and it is an amazing atmosphere. And I know it's got its darkness and all that, but the, the irony of the life is sometimes when things are a bit edgy and, you know, it, it makes it more, more sexy, more interesting, more exciting, you know. Um, and I've, I've, I've been to a few of those games. They're amazing, amazing matches because they've got so much history and there's so much involved, you know, in, 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 in everything, in, in what's gone on and, and, you know, all the religious stuff and all that. It does make for a really, really, really exciting game and an amazing atmosphere. Yeah, they've always stood out as a sort of, even as an outside sort of looking into Scottish football, the old firms obviously won. I think everybody always looks out for, similar to... La Liga and stuff, uh, sorry, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. do you, obviously, the film itself, it's, it, you call it the, the makers of modern football. So do you mm. think that these have directly influenced the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, your Arsene Wenger's? Obviously, they, they changed the game massively in England, certainly, um, at a later stage, and obviously to a sort of smaller extent, Kenny Daglis. Do you think they have directly influenced these kinds of managers? Um, massively, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, for Martin, just in Man United's case, you know, they were the first team to really try and play in Europe, you know, and it had tragic results for the Munich Air disaster, but they were the first ones to do that, to defy the, the Football League as it was and the FA by going and playing in Europe and just doing that alone expanded sort of, you know, the horizons. And then by the time Shankly comes in, into the early 60s, he's doing the same thing. He's playing in Europe and Celtic, obviously the first team to win the European Cup. So we're always looking for new worlds to conquer these managers. And that's why I found them interesting. And they made the football teams international clubs, you know. I mean, I got stuff from like the mid-70s and the, and the cop is already starting to have people from like Wolverhampton are coming up and London and Manchester United have got the uh, famous sort of, you know, the, the Cockney Reds and all that. They became international football clubs because of that. You know, you've got fans from all over the world watch watch all these three clubs and it changed the cities as well I mean Liverpool I mean uh, just doing the film they were sort of saying just the tourist side of it you know coming to watch Liverpool is, is, is huge for Liverpool now and the same with Manchester with United and, and the Beatles and, and Liverpool and what Shankly created were hugely pivotal in, in, in changing Liverpool and helping the city and you can't put a can't put a price on that you know it's, it gives people pride you know if you if Liverpool are the best team in Europe and then winning titles it just makes everybody walk with a bit more you know, the chests out a bit, you know, and it's the same with, you know, music and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's I think it's impossible to calculate how important it is having a, a successful football team in your city. I think it's massive. Oh, God, help Everton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just talking about the, the, the managers in the Three Kings you've done, do you think any of them had a, had a tougher task in, in changing the football clubs and the cities within it? 
I mean, I think they all had difficult tasks. I mean, uh, Shanky gave me a great line about Busby when he said that uh, I didn't think he didn't think there was going to be another football club in Manchester because it was a bomb site. Old Trafford had been bombed, and, and Busby had to play his first, I think, two seasons at Main Road because there was no ground. And he says it's the most remarkable thing that uh, that this football club was has risen, and that's what man, you know is a testament to Matt Busby. And they were, you know, they were great friends. And um, and I love the fact that, um, and it's the biggest thing, the thing that people pick up on in the film is that uh, Matt Busby recommended Bill Shankly for the Liverpool job. The Liverpool board uh, rang Matt Busby because he was the captain of Liverpool as a player and asked him who they think they should bring in. And, and he said famously, well, I think you should come get the fella Bill Shankly over in Huddersfield. He's the perfect fit for your club. And they went there that day to go and get him. And um, I always think it's a measure of the men that you know somebody is going to be brilliant and a big rival, but he still recommends getting him in. And there's not many people that would do that, but that's how much they loved each other, really, how much they were how close they were. And then the great thing about the Liverpool-Manchester United rivalry is it began with them. I mean, people talk now about ship canals and, and music, and I get that, but it began with these two in the mid-60s where they were just winning titles and cups. So they were best friends. They were visiting each other all the time. Uh, Shankly's granddaughter says, you know, Matt was forever on the phone to, to my granddad and he was going over to his house and, you know, but yet they were, they were absolutely at each other on the pitch, hammer and tong. It's an amazing thing, you know. They were really, really, really sort of competitive, but great friends. And that's probably, you know, uh, the best part of the story, that the biggest rivalry in English football, which is still Liverpool-Manchester United, is probably the biggest rivalry in football. You could say Barcelona-Real Madrid, but Liverpool-United is just is up there with it. Um, was started by these two Scottish fellas in the mid-60s who were best friends. You know, before that, it was Liverpool-Everton, and it was mandated Man City. That was where them two really, really started sort of getting this huge rivalry. And today, as you boys know, you know, it's it's still the, the match really that everybody I think is still the most watched football match in the world every time Liverpool and Man United play each other. And that's that's because of the size of the clubs and it's rooted in this era in the mid-sixties when they really started becoming major rivals. It's still the first fixture I look for when they come out like. Yeah, yeah. Even, I mean, though, you know, even though they've turned away. All my Liverpool supporting mates, I mean, the, the producer of the film is a Liverpool fan, James Gearys. He takes great joy in, in United struggling at the moment. <laughs> it's like, you know, and that's, that's, that's the true rivalry of the, of the two clubs, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in a brilliant way. Uh, and like I said, it, it began, it began with these two, you know, and, uh, and it was amazing to think that, you know, whenever Bill needed sort of to calm down a bit, he'd go to see Matt, who had very much like the older brother sort of attitude about it. But there's a great story I need to tell you is when um, when Liverpool ring Matt Busby up and he says, you know, they say, we've given uh, Bill the job. Thank you very much for that. But Matt Busby's on the phone and his, his really famous assistant, Jimmy Murphy, is sitting next to him, Welsh fella. And he goes, no, no problem, puts the phone. And he turns to Jimmy Murphy and he says, we might regret that now because we've got Bill on our ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right, you know, he was like, that's the start of something now because Bill's found, found his club. And he was bang on, you know, and I just think there's those stories are wonderful for the new generation of fans to hear where the rivalry started, you know. Boss. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can ever hear enough stories about any of the three because, you know, the likes of, the likes of us, we, we never got to see their teams in the flesh, any of them. But I think the stories really help you get a feel of what it was like seeing them teams. Like, I know, obviously, like my dad was around to see uh, the likes of Shankly's teams play and stuff like that. So... The more stories you hear, it just it sort of makes the legend of all three of them grow so much more. It does, and I mean, I think the the DNA of the clubs is you can really, really um, see the men in it. I mean, if you look at Liverpool, I mean, when they walked out of the cop over ticket prices, you know, there's 
there's not another football club's fans would do that, you know, and they wouldn't. Aston Villa fans wouldn't do it. Arsenal, Liverpool fans would do it because they've just got that in them. They've got that Scottish socialist sort of attitude, the docks. Manchester United with the green and yellow, you know, and they don't watch England and they've red, black and white and the scouts not English. And then you've got Celtic with refugees welcome. The three clubs are very, very unique, you know. It fascinates me. The fans behave in a very specific way and that is rooted in the three men, you know. They are different three clubs you know they're different to other football clubs and uh, and I think the reason for that is what the film's about is because of these three men and the way they were and they kind of left their personalities in the clubs and then a generation like you who's like say never seen a shanky team you know and obviously you're the stories of Bill but he died you know by 1981 I think it was but you still feel a connection to him because he still echoes through the club because of the way you are and the way your teams play and where your manager has to be I mean United fans there's a great one I'll tell you I got some mates who were Manx, you know, proper Most and Failsworth boys, my age. When Mourinho was there, Liverpool fans sang Park the Bus, Man United. It broke them. They were like, they, they were squirming. They were like, we hated it more than anything because it was saying to Man United fans, you don't even play football the way you're meant to anymore. You know, you don't even play football the way Manchester United famously play. And they can't have a manager there at Man United who doesn't play like Busby. Busby plays very attacking football. And you have to have that. And the same with Liverpool. Liverpool is always a really, really difficult place to go to Anfield. Even in the days when Liverpool fans said we were straight, it was always difficult to go to Anfield. If you go to Bill's house, you know you're going to have a bad time. You know you're going to be, they're going to be on top of you and you're going to be have to play really well, even to get a draw. That's, in the, that's them. That's their personality and character in the club and it's still there. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I was, so... Just wanted to talk about, um, obviously you made the documentary about Wales' run to the semi-finals in a Euro 2016. Obviously, huge moment for you know yourself and many other uh, Welsh supporters at the time. I think yeah. certainly, yeah. certainly unexpected, but it was it was great to watch. <laughs> it was even <laughs> even as an, uh, an Englishman, but yeah, it, it was it was yeah. great to watch. Um, have you ever considered, obviously beyond like alongside that, doing any other sort of football and feel good stories to to look at or talk about? Well, I do. I've done. I've done the three now. I've done the, the forest one. I've done that, and I've done this. And I was that was going to be my trilogy. I don't know. I I've, I kind of like. I'm very very lucky, lads, and I get offered. You know, start to do stuff, football stuff, and I love making films about football because I love the game, and I, but I love telling stories, and I love telling great stories, and that's why I wanted to do the Three Kings. You know, I, I wanted to tell about tell people about the three men and, and what they changed with British football. Um, I, I don't know. I'll have a look in the new year, really. I've, uh, I might do. A, I might do a music one next. I did Svengali, which was was a music drama. So I may be doing some. Um, I've been offered some uh, musical docs if I wanted to in the new year. So, but I'll have a think. Um, I'll, I don't know if if Wales do well in the next Euros, I'd have to do a, a follow up <laughs> to that. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, I'm in a lucky position that uh, you know I do get offered, and you know I love what I do. I mean, you know playing old, finding stuff from the 60s of Liverpool and Manchester and Celtic and putting that to music and, you know, using people to tell the story. I mean, it's a bit of a, sometimes I have to pinch myself really that I do that as a job. Well, you do a good job of it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I know you're um, passionate about the soundtracks in your films. Um, yeah. I've been dying to ask you, like, if you had to if, if, put you on your toes a little bit, but if you had to right. pinpoint a song to... Mark Shankly's time at Liverpool. What what would you choose and why? Oh, that's a great shout, actually. I'd probably take you know a twenty first century boy by T Rex. I, I love that song. Do you know what I mean? I just I just feel like in the early seventies when Liverpool were 
a fantastic, you know, they, they, you could see they were becoming the most dominant club, not just in England and Europe. And the music and the cop and the way it was and the way it swayed, that's what I'd, I'd have, something like, yeah, 20th, 21st Century Boy by, by T-Rex. Or maybe something like um, Gene Genie by Bowie. It's that kind of thing, like, because when I was a kid, like, I was... I was a bit, I was a bit, I was fascinated by the big, the old big stands, you know, the way people moved and swayed. And when you watch games back, like when you watch um, Fairclough's goal against St. Etienne you know, that night and the, the way the cop is, you look at that and you just think it was astonishing to watch really, you know, and you had, I think it was, I think I wanted the cop hold about 20, over 20,000, wasn't it? 28, I think it was. On, oh, on a big night, 28,000 people behind the goal, you know, all singing, you know, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was an extraordinary atmosphere. And there's no doubt, and, and you know, we know it now, ironically, because of what's happened in the world and without fans being there. Liverpool fans do make a huge difference, like all football fans. But, you know, like when you beat Barcelona, I remember John Robertson, the great Nottingham Forest double European Cup winner. When Barcelona won the first leg, what did they win the first leg? 3-1 they won the first leg? 3-0. 3-0. I remember him saying to me, that's not over. And I remember going, well, and there was nobody out for Barcelona. They had everybody playing. They had Suarez and Messi. And, uh, and I was like, well, you know, that's going to be tough to overcome. He's going, well, if there's any way that can happen, it's Liverpool. And it did. You know, it's extraordinary. And I, I, like, I, I think we had our front three out as well. Yeah, that's right. And that's daft. I keep saying this. That's rooted back to Shankly. That's rooted to Shankly going, oh, we can always win. You know, if we get them back to Liverpool, we've always got a chance of winning. In Liverpool, you know, and 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 that's still evident today, really. Uh, just just on the subject of Liverpool, while we're on it, um, and this season, do you see do you see it being a do you see Man City getting closer to Liverpool this season at all yourself? No, I mean, I, somebody pointed a great stat out to me the other day. My mate was a Liverpool fan. I think you've, I think Liverpool have conceded more goals than anybody else, or something like. There's some weird stat where they, there's something, and they're still top of the league. You know, he said to me. He said to me <laughs> We haven't even got out the second year yet, and we're already already top of the league. And I was like, "That's a point." You know what I mean? I think that um, I think Liverpool have got a terrific manager, and they've got a, an amazing sort of front three. You know, everybody knows that. Who have got goals in them all the time. But the big thing about Liverpool with me is what they've done. They found again is they are just a, a forward moving machine. And that's what the film's about. You know, it's about all Liverpool are about is about going forward. They always want to hurt you all the time. And that's so difficult to play against because Liverpool are never going to go 1-0 up and then sit back. They're always going to be going forward in a perpetual motion, you know. And I think that's what makes them so prolific and so difficult to play against. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you play against that? Because you know that you're always going to have a team that's sitting on top of you. I remember somebody saying to me once, um, Liverpool, when you play Liverpool at home, it was Ian McParland who's, um, who played for Notts County. He said to me, I remember looking at Liverpool and I was thinking, Within five minutes, how are they lining up here, Liverpool? Are they four four two? And he said, I turned to the centre half. He went, How are Liverpool playing here? Are they playing four four two? And he went, They're playing one one eight. You know, he said they literally <laughs> sitting on top of us. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I know it's a great way of explaining it. You know, it's like if you play at Anfield, you've literally got everybody pushing you back all the time. And um, and that's what Klopp has found again. He's just found that way of making sure that Liverpool literally did, did they, what was it Shankly get your foot on your throat and they're never going to they're not going to pull it off you know they're going to keep it there the whole time whereas Manchester United are quite interesting even when they were the great team the late six, uh, late 90s and won the treble you always felt United could concede a goal at some point you know United would win games sort of like 2-1 or 3-2 and they were exciting but there was always a moment I, Liverpool haven't got that this great team of Liverpool, you always see with this Liverpool team, it's not, it's never a two and a throw game. They're just on you. You know, they almost sit on top of you and that's a different way of playing 
but very close to the way Shankly played, I feel. Yeah, Klopp's given us our Shankly generation, really. So, yeah. It's great to watch. We're brought up with stories from our, our fellas and that, um, about yeah. how we play. We're, we're thankfully getting to witness it now, really. It's, it's great to watch. And I, but that's that's been I think that's been a real credit to Liverpool's young fans is that you know you know some clubs who have been brilliant in the past the new generation of fans can say I don't want to hear about that you know whereas Liverpool fans you don't get that with Liverpool fans they absolutely respect their history you know it's a big thing for them what they achieved and what they've done all credit to them and you lads coming through would have seen more difficult times you know with Liverpool but you know nobody would have been saying oh I'm fed up a year and about Shankly it's the opposite with Liverpool. They always want to hear more stories about the old days. And I think that's great for football clubs. I think that that inspires it. I honestly believe that. Celtic are very similar. Yeah, Celtic, Celtic are the same. You know, always talking about Steve. And United United still sing that song, you know. I know you'd want to hear it 20 times. But they say playing football the Busby way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Football the Busby way. They don't sing the Ferguson way. They say the Busby way, which I think is fascinating when you think he hasn't managed that club for, what, nearly 50 years. But they still sing his name. And I think that's what's brilliant about the three clubs, personally. And it just credits to the legacy they had, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and hopefully it continues to, to carry on that way because they deserve it. Uh, it definitely will. It's not, you know, it's like uh, like I said earlier, and Shankly's granddaughter said, it just seems to get bigger every year. You know, the, I was at the Shankly Hotel this year and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, the, Liverpool do things like they did a brilliant sort of um, an animation of Paisley, you know, the quiet man of Liverpool. What a job he did of continuing what Shankly did, you know. And we all know how difficult it is for football clubs when a manager leaves, a manager like that. He was the only one that was able to carry on and in some ways improve it, what they did in Europe. Incredible. You know, he brought Hamilton yeah. in and bring the ball out from the back. So I like I love the fact that you know you often see on Liverpool social media the, the respect they've got for history and 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 how they are, you know, about it and how the fans react. They've been a, they've been a credit actually to you boys, the club when I'm doing the film. Can't be any more helpful. Boys LTV, Mark Platt and that had me over. Oh, we love the stuff you've done before, Johnny. Anything we can do to help. You just feel like it's a football club that's on a good foot in, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well, you know? Yeah, we, we always, I mean, in Liverpool, we always try and pride ourselves on being a, a welcoming and open city where, you know, we we embrace sort of the, the global stature of the club that, yeah. that started, obviously with Chankley. So it's, it's it's been instilled into us from the day we've, you know, the day we were born, really. Um, and, you know, like you say, we, we always want to hear as much about Chankley. Uh, but also, I think just from a sort of, Football and respect point of view. I I want to uh, about stuff about Busby and and Jock Steen and these other great managers that that have come and gone. Um, because I think it just it helps you appreciate the game so much more. I I mean it's a, it's it's a brilliant history the rivalry of Manchester and Liverpool and 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 like I, I think I said earlier on tonight they're international football clubs and they're international football clubs now with huge worldwide followings. I start the film with this. It's an amazing start. Um, it's something like about, I think it's nearly two billion people. And this is a conservative estimate, support the three clubs. There's one in four of the world's population support Liverpool, Man United or Celtic. Imagine that. It's just an extraordinary statistic. But it's because, of the, it's because of the three men. You know, it's because of these three men. That, and, you know, I don't think they could have ever imagined what they'd create, you know, and, and what the football clubs would become. And, and I, I don't know what they'd think of it now. But I'm pretty sure they'd be proud of the fact that, you know, people travel from all over the world to the football clubs to watch football matches. You, you'd have to be, wouldn't you? I mean, Shankly walking into Liverpool in 59, wasn't it? And there was no running water. You know, he had to, that was the first thing he did. He got some running water into Anfield. You know, he was like, that's the first, you know, those... If you'd see what that stadium's become now, what the club is now, and like I said, people from all over the world and the hotels, 
it would be a remarkable thing. It'd be, it'd be great if you, if you just could see it for five minutes, what he created. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. So it'd be great to see his reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'd probably say, knowing Billy, go, well, of course, of course I'm going to this. <laughs> I've done this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, do you think that the three managers that you focused on in the film, do you think they're, certainly in British history anyway, do you think they're the most important three figures in, in sort of British football history, at the very I least? Think, I think so. I think I think so. I think they're, they're the three most important men. I think I think my, my honest opinion as well is what Celtic did in 1967 was the greatest feat in the history of football. I, and I generally mean that because they won every single cup available to them. And not just every cup, they won the most difficult cup there is to win, which is the, the European Cup, the most difficult domestic cup to win. And it is even now, it's so difficult to win the Champions League. Um, I, think, I always think the team that wins the Champions League is the best team in Europe. And they won the European Cup. And, you know, not only did they do that, they went in with a team all born within 30 miles of, of the ground, which is an extraordinary thing. And, you know, I just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just flabbergasted by things like that. And then Bill Shankly famously goes to the final and he, he sees Jock, Jock Steen and he called him John. You're immortal now, John, he says, you know. And he just, you know, there's a great interview where he goes, Celtic are the most successful football club in the world. And they go to him and he goes, they won, they won the title nine times and they won the European Cup and they've been in the final. They're the most successful football club in the world. It's a wonderful thing he says, you know, Bill Shankly. And that's credit to Jock Steen, you know. Jock Steen was really close to them as well. And Jock was able to, Jock was famous for his driving really quickly. And, and there was a great story. Every time he came to see Liverpool play, because he he'd, he'd come to Anfield quite regularly to see, to see Bill and Matt would come over as well. And apparently he could drive to from Glasgow to Liverpool in three hours <laughs> shot and he'd, and he'd have his parking space in Anfield and he'd be there to watch the game which is amazing and then you know he'd spend he'd always drive back apparently that night they'd spend a few hours drinking tea together just talking about football and that's how close they all were they were always communicating with one another you know they were they were friends especially uh, Matt and Bill they played for Scotland together they played for Scottish midfield that beaten England so they were great friends um, and like I said I, I love the idea that they built these dynasties they were competing so you know uh competitively against each other you know they were so competitive and yet we're, we're great friends it's, it's, it's the most remarkable thing and you, you do wonder if that can ever happen again really in that way the way you speak about them being great friends and that it's almost as if like like boxers the way they yeah. go for each other for, for 12 rounds and then at the end they're hugging and they have a drink together and that and i wish it was like that now it'd be great now they're all at each other's throats aren't they and it's all in the that's a, great, that's a great way of looking at it. There's always a great respect for boxers, I think, once you've been in the ring and, you've, and you think, and I think that's what they had for each other. It was a great respect for one another. You know, there's a really famous clip in it where Steen wins the, the, the Celtic win the Sports Personality Team of the Year, uh, the BBC award, and when he receives it, he receives it from Matt Busby, and he says on BBC television, we hope in Scotland and Celtic that the next person who has this cap is you, Matt. You know, it's a thing to say, isn't it? And you can see he really means yeah. it. And Busby did win it the following year. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a remarkable thing. And then Shankly says, this, you know, this great thing about Matt Busby. He says, uh, you know, for him to have seen his, his team die in a, in, a, in a plane crash and then to see another team win the European Cup 10 years later, he said, I think is the, one of the most remarkable things in the history of the game. He's a remarkable man, you know, the way he talks. And, and I just thought to myself, it's lovely to hear one another talking about each other like that. And then Matt Buzzy does this great thing about uh, Shankly. He says, uh, and then he got to be managed Liverpool and he said, I had problems with him because he would fight you every step of the way. <laughs> and, you know, it's a bit like the way they were talking to each other was so beautiful. And then in the 1977 FA Cup final, they had Bill and Matt together on a set, just telling stories and laughing, you know, and you just think two giants of the game there would, 
we built these clubs who were just sitting together as mates, really. And they could have been two old Scottish miners again, you know, just sort of sitting there on the chat. That's it. I think they, they never they yeah. never lost that about them. And I think that's what, you know, endeared them so much, not just to the cities that they were predominantly sort of based in and, and known for, but from you know the outside world. I mean, I think you, you don't hear of any you don't hear any sort of bad things said about the three managers from from rival fans. Um, you know, there's obviously sort of banter and, and that goes hand in hand with football these days. But when it comes to the likes of, of Busby and, and Shankly and Steen, you don't really hear anything bad from, from rival fans. Like I, I don't know any Liverpool fan who's got a bad word to say about Matt Busby and I'm sure it would be the same with United fans about Bill Shankly. Well, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, Matt Busby obviously played for Liverpool and was captain. And until, I think, until Shankly in the early 60s, he was, he was voted Liverpool, one of Liverpool's most favourite ever players, which is amazing, really, when you think of it. And I do know that um, after Bill retired, he was ov- obviously a, a guest at Old Trafford and would go there for lots of lots of matches, you know. And I think that's... that's I, it's really funny, actually, because I was reading... Uh, I read Alex Ferguson's autobiography, and I don't know if you know this, but he goes over to Liverpool quite a lot to watch games. And loves it over there. He said, they're always brilliant with me. A little bit of banter and a bit of a laugh. But he said, I always get a lovely welcome and a great time in Liverpool because they love the game and they know the game. So whenever he goes over to Liverpool, and I just thought to myself, those stories are quite lovely to know about football. There is this massive, massive rivalry between the two great English cities of, of football. But, you know, I mean, Pete Hooten and the older boys and Kevin Sampson and all that, they all say there's a kind of a, a grudging respect as well because, you know, they both... They both go at one another and they both use the two most successful clubs in English football, you know, and very similar cities, you know, big Irish populations, you know, they've got more docks and you've got the, you know, the ship canal, they've industrial cities and the people and, you know, and, and there's very little between that Salford accent and that uh, Liverpool accent sometimes, you know, and it's like, there's all that going on, you know, and I just think, you know, you know, two cities that have produced some of the greatest music the country's ever ever known, if not the world's ever known. So it fascinates me. I love going there. I love going to Manchester and Liverpool. I've always had a great night out. And you know what? Even when I did the film, you laugh at this, I went to Manchester for a night and I had a night in Manchester and it was a great night out and I really enjoyed it. And I said to the Liverpool boys, Pete and Mark, I said, oh, I've been over to Manchester. Oh, you'll have to come to Liverpool now. I was like, yeah. So then they took me out for a night out and they were taking me, me, to, me to more places and they were going, it's better here, though, isn't it? It's better here than Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> we went it to Manchester for a night yeah. out. Yeah, oh, we exactly. Went- yeah. Their Weatherspoons is like a nightclub. It's mad. Like our <laughs> Weatherspoons on, on County Road and that little Alfellas yeah. pub. But I was yeah, sat yeah. there watching the telly with a newspaper. Went to Weatherspoons there and you were throwing shots out left, right and centre, dancing <laughs> on tables and that. It's mad. Do you, do, you know, do you know where they took me in Liverpool? They took me to the, the Coopers, you know, the place with the karaoke on in the day? Yeah. Right by yeah. The they took me in there. So they're like, come in here in the afternoon. It was packed in Liverpool. Guys singing, you know, like, sweet Caroline. It was like, brilliant. So we had, a, we had a proper night out in Liverpool. It was fantastic, you know. And that's that's what, you know, the cities and, and the people are all about. That's why they got that special support and those brilliant football clubs. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, to be fair, um, like when you're on holiday and that, you hear our accents and we hear theirs and you end up mates instantly. You don't even have to have a conversation. You just know yeah. you're going to have a fight. Yeah, yeah, there's exactly. also a rumour that uh, when Gerard Hulier uh, fell ill as Liverpool manager, one of the first people to contact him and to visit him was Alex Ferguson. And he didn't yeah, want to go press involved. So, as you say, the mutual respect between the cities and, and staff alike is, is brilliant. Well, in 58, it was the year before uh, Shankly went there, the first team to offer Liverpool, uh, Man United players was Liverpool. Yeah. Because they couldn't yeah. fulfil the fixtures. They offered them any players they wanted, which was a... A wonderful gesture, and and you know, so many people have mentioned it to me 
in Manchester. So there's, you know, those those stories are, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, they they have to help one another. It's it's it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's more than football sometimes, isn't it? And yeah. when you yeah. can appreciate that and yeah. the idea of your team, can it's, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like ultimately, uh, the film is about Shankly and, and Busby and Steen. They were they changed the game, they changed the cities, but they were great friends as well. And that's what always fascinated me about it, you know. And they must have um, they must have just imagine having a imagine being in a conversation with those three. What you must have like, listened to and talked about football. Do you know what I mean? It must have been amazing. Yeah, you could just sit there for hours on end, just just yeah, staring you at would. them, and you wouldn't have to say a word. It'd be brilliant. Um, so the film itself, it's out on the sixteenth of November, is it? Yeah, that's right. it was meant to be in cinemas, but it's a bit of a shame because I wanted people to see it on a big screen. But obviously, because of the circumstance, and I totally understand, you know, the cinemas are shut. So, but it'll be out on DVD, and it'll be out uh, available to download, and then in the new year, it'll be out on Amazon. So it'll be plenty of time for people to see it, and I'm hoping it'll get to terrestrial TV then in, in time. Um, like you're saying, and, and you know that's just the way it is. I, I, already, like I know that in the Amazon chart, it's it's, it's of a pre-order. It's always been up number one, number two because the three clubs are massive, and and they all you know they're all right behind it. And, and and especially in Scotland, it was a shame they shut the cinemas because they sold the cinemas out for the first week in Scotland to watch it because they're really proud of the three of them in Scotland. That's the thing, you know, it's like a big big thing for them that uh, Busby and Shankly were Scottish. You know, even though they managed to Liverpool clubs they were the Scots were dead dead proud of them you know they're dead proud of having these managers who changed the game but I'm just hoping enough you know that it, it, it gets to enough places that people are able to see it lads and I'll be happy with that man I'm sure it'll go off big time <laughs> yeah 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 be surprised especially <laughs> yeah. with it coming out just before Christmas it's, um, it should yeah. be on everyone's list really it'll be a good Christmas present as a DVD even if people haven't got DVD players anymore <laughs> they can still have the cover can't they <laughs> <laughs> just a collectible yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it, it's been it's been really good to talk to you about the Johnny and uh, I've I've already got me pre-ordered in to be honest with you. So I'm looking forward to that coming out. Can't wait to watch it. It's it's going to be something special, no doubt. Uh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, lad. It's been really really good talking to you and uh, have a great weekend and uh, good luck this year with the uh, with the Premier League. I think you've got another great chance and uh, we'll see what happens. Nice one. Hopefully, um, our mate Stevie doesn't do you too much harm. I know, yeah, exactly. He's done a great job up there, hasn't he? Like when it all, yeah. when it all, um, when it all ends, this hopefully, I'll try and get over for a pint, and we can have another night in uh, in Liverpool. Maybe we can go to the Coopers again and get on that karaoke. <laughs> get there about oh. half ten in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do it properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, nice to speak to you, Johnny. And you as well. Thanks very much, guys. Johnny. See you later, mate. Good night. Enjoy that. Sports Social Podcast Network.